everyone, because we're winding down and we have less than 30 episodes left, I decided I'm going to do something very special for the final episode of this podcast. If anyone can please send us any questions, we're going to do a Q&A section, me and one or two other guests. So if you have any questions about The Great Escape or about doing a Movies by Minute podcast or about me or <laughs> anything that you want to ask, it doesn't make a difference. You can ask us questions. And once we record episode 172, we will answer all of your questions, get them to us as quickly as possible. You know where to send them as a private message to Facebook, to Twitter, or you can send them to email any which way that we can see the questions and no one else will see them and we will answer them live for you. Thanks a lot, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 151 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Howard Kasner, screenwriter and script consultant, blogger, and host of the Pop Art Podcast. Welcome to the show, Howard. Well, hello, hello, and uh, hello. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually very happy that, that I was able to get you on this show because, uh, as you know, a little over a year ago when we were recording this, you and I actually did a podcast episode for your show on this movie. Yes. We, you know, I know that you've seen it. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we combined it with Robert Brazon's A Man Escape. Yes, yes. For, for Pop Art. Yes, that is true. But this time we will only be discussing The Great Escape. And right. we will be doing it in much more detail than, than we did on the other show. Anyone who wants to take a look at that show, feel free to go ahead. You'll be able to hear more thoughts that, that Howard and I have about this movie and about A Man Escaped. You know, let's just uh, dive right in here. Minute 151 begins with Blythe stumbling along and goes all the way till we get to see Henley looking at the gun horrifically. As we were discussing on Friday, the... The, the plane crashed. We had Henley and Blythe were, were almost at freedom. They had just passed Disneyland Castle. And then something went wrong, and the, the plane ended up taking a nosedive and crashing very neatly in, in between two trees, where the, you know, the wings got chopped off quite Hollywood-esque. Hollywood-esque? Is that the right word? <laughs> uh, it probably wouldn't have happened in real I life that way. I think it's the right word, but I know what you're going for. <laughs> it's very Hollywood. Yes. Just very Hollywood. Yeah, no question about that. At that point, Henley helps Blythe out of the plane and pushes him off in, in the direction that he feels is safe. And Blythe starts moving along at his little pace. You know, remember everyone? He's, he's blind. He has no idea. Or he's supposed to be blind. He has no idea where he's supposed to be going. I'm sure that we will point that out over the course of this minute also. That, you know, as, as great of an actor as he is, we, we we still, you know, get to see that he actually does stumble along a little too much. You know, this 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 is supposed to be Donald Pleasance's you know best shot in the movie because he's he's escaping to freedom. You know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that how that pans out for him. So he basically stumbles along and then hits the side of a hill and somehow is able to figure out that it's a hill and you know climb up it and just continue walking in the same direction. I, I mean, I like the way that he sort of stumbles. Shows that, that he's supposed to be blind. But we, we we already know that, you know, he's he's had a little bit of visual help here. <laughs> There's no question about that. And as he's walking across, limping somewhat, there are, we see two cars show up in the distance, show up from the distance. Now, one of the things is, is that when the, show, when the cars show up, so he actually stops 
So the question is, is can he hear those cars? Do you think he can hear them? I think he stopped just because he knows he, he's reached a peak of, of a hill because he can feel all the sunlight on him. He comes out of darkness in the sunlight. So he knows he's out in the open and he can have the sunlight. And there's no reason for him to go any further because he has to wait for right. Garner, for that character to catch up to him. But the sad irony here is because he's blind, he can't see the German soldier with the right. gun. So he turns his back, which makes the German soldier think he's running away. So the German soldier shoots him. If he hadn't turned his back, if he had seen the German soldier and just put up his hands and then turned his back, he probably would have been alive because they took James Garner alive. Right. Okay, you're skipping ahead slightly, but we'll, oh, we'll get there. We'll Sorry. get there. We'll get there. Remember how we're doing yeah. this in detail. <laughs> yes. Basically, I mean, my first question is, is these cars show up really quickly. You know, the, the this plane just crashed. Mm -hmm. You know, where are these, where are they posted that they, you know, see this plane crash? It's not as if someone's going to, you know, call 911 and, and, you know, you have an ambulance coming really quickly. The, this plane crashes and within seconds there there are, you know, two German staff cars and then we also see that there there are two motorcycles that show up from the other direction. So to me, it's, it's just a little surprising how quickly they show up. You know, it, it, it's just a coincidence that they were on patrol in the area and they happened to see it. I guess I remember it a little differently. I don't really remember the cars. I just remember suddenly there's the German soldier there. And I did think, oh, how convenient. There just happened to be a German soldier right there. So I sort of agree with you. There just happened to be uh, somebody there. Yeah. As for the car showing up, of course, yeah, you you do have this plane that crashed, and you may also be having a general uh, send-out or a general warning send-out that a plane's been stolen. Be on the lookout for a stolen plane. True. From what we understand, they've they've been flying for a little while. It's not as if it was in. It's not as if the the runway or the hangar where they stole it from was was very close close by. You know, they... No, no, I can't argue with right. that. Yeah, it, it's all very, very convenient. In fact, did this even happen in real life? No, of course not. Uh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, you have these authors coming in who are saying, well, how are we going to do this? And let's do this and let's do this. And, yes, you use a lot of coincidence. The movie tends to be filled with a lot of that coincidence that you bring in in order to tell the story. Right. So... Yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing with the German soldier just being there. said, oh, well, that's convenient that a German soldier just happened to be there. Right. Because he couldn't have been very far away. Right. I mean, we get to see the car stop, and we see, you know, a bunch of, of soldiers in the distance coming out of the, the car. Then then we get a shot of Henley still feeling disoriented. He's he's still sitting by the wing, the broken wing of, of the plane. He's actually looking in the other direction, which makes you wonder... What he's try what he's looking at, you know, why he thought that you know the area off to his left is more dangerous than the area off to his right, because where he sent Colin to is a little more dangerous than than the other area. Oh, apparently, I mean, we don't we don't know what there is in the other area, but you can still see that he's very disoriented. You know, he just had this plane crash. He still has blood, you know, coming down his face. Which I mean, the the, the blood looks pretty funny because it it definitely looks like ketchup. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get we'll get some some close ups uh, a little later on in this minute, 
but it's it uh, it doesn't look like real movie genuine movie blood that that we that we would see uh, in in movies in in later years. I'm not even talking about what we would see today, but even in the, the late '70s, early '80s, you could start seeing blood that didn't look as clumpy as the way this. This just basically looks like they just said, "Okay, a bottle of Heinz, just uh, spread a little bit on your face." You know, then then we get back and we see Blythe once again. You know, he's also got a little blood on his face, and we see him continuing to walk. And we we have a, there's a great shot behind him because you see how the light comes through the trees right behind him. This is apparently you know early morning, you know dawn. So the it's a it's a great shot. The the cinematographer did uh, Daniel Fapp did such an amazing job with this particular scene that you can see the light coming through the tre- trees behind him. It, in some ways, it looks somewhat angelic, which may be trying to foreshadow something here also. Well, it could be, yeah, foreshadow the irony that it's not actually angelic. But as a blind person, you know, Henley can't see, but he can he can feel this. Colin. 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 Live. can't see, but he can feel right. uh, the sun on his face. And that's what's drawing him toward it he's going toward the sun and toward right. uh he probably shouldn't have moved at all but uh since he can't see but. right <laughs> well he was he was relying on henley henley said run yeah. that way and and uh, you know i'll catch up but then we get a, a a great shot of donald pleasance and you see his lips begin to quiver as if he senses something is about to happen you know he maybe he hears the the germans calling in the distance or something like that. Then we get to see that eight soldiers come out of the car and they, they moved towards Blythe's position. And, you know, Blythe apparently hears them. He begins to, to look around in, in a very strange way. Again, it, you know, it, it might feel somewhat prophetic the way that he's uh, looking around, that he knows that something's about to happen to him. And then we get the shot of the soldier who just picks up his rifle and aims in the direction where where Colin is standing. It, it it makes me wonder: Is this soldier, you know, just doing it for sport at this point? Does he know what what he's you know who who this is that he's shooting at? You know, the whole idea is is that that you know the, he's pre- he's preparing to shoot and shoot first, ask questions later. But he doesn't know who that is. Yes, it's a plane that crashed. He, you know, in the distance, can he see that as an escaped prisoner? You know, like, why would he know that? Well, I think they've all... What do, what do well, you think about that? I think they've that? all been alerted to what's going on, and it's a German plane, and he's not in u- uniform. The reason for me why he shoots is that... Blythe... I have a hard time with names. Blythe turns his back... You got it right. You got it right. Blythe. Blythe turns his back <laughs> and is starting to walk away. If he hadn't, he probably wouldn't have... The German soldier probably wouldn't have shot him. So he's someone basically running away from the German's point of view. Uh, right. Because they don't shoot. But he picks up the gun beforehand. Huh? He does pick up the gun beforehand, though. He raises up his rifle and aims it before Blythe turns around. You know, we get okay, to see the, the so. shot of this. When I saw last night, I, I remembered <laughs> him. Well, even more so, if you pick up the gun and the person turns away from you, that's even more of a reason to shoot. He's a running. He's running away. He's going away. So right. that's why he shot him, and that's why they don't shoot James Garner's because James Garner's not running away. Also, right. 
the one of the reasons why they shoot him and don't shoot James Garner has nothing to do with um, sort of, uh, well, basically, this is the beginning where we start seeing that all the Americans are going to make it alive. All the American <laughs> actors are going to make it alive. And all the, the American characters. Huh? The American characters. No, all the American, the American actors. characters. Even James Coburn, who's playing Australian. That's true. And okay, uh, uh, no, but but no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I got you on this one because John Layton is British. Okay, but so we got one. We got one. No, yeah, but basically, <laughs> James Donald is British. Basically, uh, most of the major British stars are get killed. Yes. And most of the major American stars don't. Correct. And this was probably. A decision, and this is something we can talk about in general. That's based on box office. Yeah, of course. So another reason to kill Donald Pleasance is well, he's British. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I I never thought about that, and and as much as I've discussed this movie, that has not come up yet. So I'm I'm glad that we're getting new things here. Also, that's so as as we were saying, Blythe turns around and screams Henley, and then we hear the shot ring out, and then we see that Blythe feels the bullet hit his back and then slumps down. I mean, th- this guy must be a sharpshooter. You know, the fact that he's able to, to to get him in the perfect shot, you know, with one shot. Well, it's a movie. Um, I, I don't know, think he was quite still. that far away. I, I didn't get the impression that he was really that far away. I think most uh, most soldiers would be able to take out somebody that close by shooting him in the back. Yeah, but to, um, to, get, to, to, to get such a perfect centered shot, is is what what I'm talking about because we'll we'll be able to see in a few seconds why I believe that it's a perfect dead center shot. So after the shot rings out, we get to see James Garner and he hears it and turns around and looks around towards Blythe and realizes that he made a mistake by sending Blythe off on his own despite him being a British actor and prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a shot of Blythe lying on the ground trying to crawl towards the direction of Henley, just looking at him. And then Henley realizes what's happening, screams Colin, and then he starts running over toward in his direction, and we see that he gets the limp. He limps over because he has now apparently injured his leg during this crash, and he ends up crawling right. up the hill, and uh, the first thing he does is wave his hands in a surrender format, you know, to make sure that they don't shoot him. And he screams, stop, don't shoot, please. And at this point, we actually get to see the two motorcycles that show up somewhat leisurely to the scene. And then he slumps down next to Colin and turns him over. And we see that Henley is also completely out of breath at this point, you know, breathing very heavily. And then he looks at Colin and says, I'm sorry I fouled things up. And at this point, we get to really see the ketchup on his face. <laughs> it really comes out. And they, they smeared some on his collar also at the same time. Uh, now, what's interesting is in the original script, it's actually Blythe that says that line instead of Henley, where he goes, he says, I'm sorry I fouled things up, which which completely changes the whole connotation of everything. You know, if you have Blythe saying that line instead of Henley, because the truth is Blythe is the one who messed things up, not Henley. Yes, but James Garner's the biggest star. If he wants the line, he's going to get the line. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is very possible. That's very true. And at this point, after Henley says it, Colin gives him a half smile. And, and at this point, we can see where the, the, the blood is. 
you see blood right in the center of his shirt, you know, where the vest, right above where the vest closes. So at this point, you can tell that, the, you know, the shot really went dead center. And right around his heart is, is where there's, you know, it's all bloody at that point, or as bloody as, as this movie can get in 1963. Colin gets his line where he says, that's all right, thank you for getting me out. And then he does a, you know, typical movie dying face. <laughs> then we, we get another shot of... Yes, there's not a dry eye in the house. Completely. <laughs> yes, all the guys are crying. <laughs> exactly. Henley just, just stares at him, is looking at him, and once again... We get to see all this ketchup smeared on his face. <laughs> and the truth is, you actually can see more blood on his collar than you could before. It looked like it was just smeared in. But here it's it's brighter. You know, that they applied a little more ketchup to the, for the close-up. At this point, we get to see uh, Colin die in a very dramatic fashion. You know, his head moves back and, you know, that's it. Then we get to see all the guards standing around. They they have their guns drawn. And at this point, Henley looks at one of the guns and you see a, his face. He has like this horrific look on his face. Maybe he's thinking to himself that they're going to shoot him also. Even though they've they've waited. You know, they didn't shoot him yet. But, uh, or, or it could be that he's thinking to himself, you know, you know, he's looking at the gun saying, you know, how brutal did you have to be? Did you really have to do this? In this way, because I, I like the way that that he looks at the gun and then looks at the soldier the same, you know, one after the other. I, I think they they did a nice job with the way they did that. That's all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else for this minute? Uh, no, Howard? no, I don't think so. All right, great. You want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way is through Facebook. I have I am on Facebook under Howard Kastner, and I have a Howard Kastner script consultation page. So they can find me there. My blog is uh, Rantings and Ravings. Uh, so they can find my blog in that way. Um, I have some books published on Amazon. So if they're interested in sci-fi, horror, and whatever short stories, they can do that there. Pop art, uh, the easiest way to find me there would be uh, through Apple, Podomatic, or Anchor. But you, if you do a search, you also have to search with my I'm not the pop art. All right. While you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. You can join our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. Our email address is TheGreatMinute at gmail.com. And our website is TheGreatEscapeMinute.com. So, Howard, you, you want to come back again tomorrow or continue talking sure. about this? Sure. Sounds All right. Excellent. So, so until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.